Hello, it is 27th of August 2019 and this is episode 114 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel and in a shocking turn of events, I'm joined by Kirsty. Say Yay. hi, Kirsty. Hi, I actually have a spare hour to talk about D23, so... <laughs> Yeah, we reached that point in the fandom news cycle where it's like, okay, we need to drop everything. Yeah, it's like critical mass. It's like, oh my God, okay, I know I just had a baby, but um, baby can deal without me for an hour. (laughs) Does that make me a bad parent? It absolutely does not. Don't worry, he is being taken care of. (laughs) As long as there is another responsible adult to attend to his needs, you're all good. And that is definitely the arrangement. Yeah, grandma to the rescue. Yeah, so it's absolutely amazing to have you back on the podcast. I've really enjoyed like having guests on and stuff, and it's been fabulous. And actually, in a funny turn of events, I'll probably put this episode out first, but I have recorded an episode previously on Sunday um, that people will have to look forward to after this one, where we go into a lot of the D23 stuff, but basically we recorded that before the footage actually came out, because I naively thought that Lucasfilm would release the footage as the panel was happening. Well, that's what happened last time. I think we I even got it before the people at D23 last time. <sighs> like, <laughs> it it really, really screwed up my plans, <laughs> basically. But it's fine, and it all worked out okay in the end, because now we're here doing this. So it's pretty awesome. And yeah, I think when it's this level of news, I think people like the more coverage, the better. So it's all good. Yeah, there's there's so much to unpack here, and it was really interesting, kind of experiencing it through other people first, via like mm. the Twitter breakdowns of everyone trying to frantically remember everything that they'd seen. Yeah, and I don't think they expected to see it that soon because it was like the first thing they showed in that panel, right? And usually they wait till the end to reveal the Star Wars stuff. So I think people were caught a little off guard. Yeah, no, I was just like calmly going about my like Twitter, like expecting, oh yeah, I'll have two hours before anything Star Wars happens. And it's like, Star Wars is the first part of the events. And it's like, ah. They like to keep us on our toes. <laughs> yeah, the no, they 100% do. <laughs> um, because your time is a more precious commodity than mine at the moment, Kirsty, give us your overarching thoughts on all of this splurge of d23 stuff so anything that you want to pick out as oh my god moments or highlights and that could be mandalorian obi-wan cast interviews and obviously we have the amazing saga sizzle reel but we're going to be talking about that in some detail so anything apart from that really (laughs) well all of it honestly um it's hard to pick just one thing because obviously the um the kenobi reveal or reveal in air quotes because it's been rumored for like years now (laughs) um i'm just really glad to have that official because as people who listen to the show or listen to any star wars podcast or read any star wars news site over the past couple of years they've known that there's been endless reports and rumors circulating um about supposedly that they were planning on a movie at first it sounds like and then after solo they've reassessed things um, and I'm actually really happy that it's turned into a mini series for, D- yeah. uh, for Disney Plus. Um, I think that's the right way to go with Kenobi. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It was wonderful to see Ewan, and he seemed so hyped, and Kathleen Kennedy was so hyped. It was just really adorable to see them together on stage celebrating it, and obviously the crowd went wild. So that was that was definitely a highlight. Um, and I'm excited to learn more about that because they said they already have the scripts written. So seems you know. They've got that ball rolling. They don't start filming until next year, apparently, but 
the script's being written already seems pretty huge. Yeah, no, it all seems pretty locked and they must have this really clear vision for the story, as you say, if they have the scripts prepared right now. Yeah, so I'm excited to learn more gradually about like the kind of genre or feel they're going for with that because there's all sorts of directions they could go in with him. And also the Mandalorian trailer, I was very impressed with that. I was glad we finally got something to look at because so far we've been kind of going on breadcrumbs from Celebration and we didn't get into that panel. So it was similar to what first was coming out with D23 with the Rise of Skywalker. You kind of hear about it third hand, but (laughs) it's hard to visualize, right? Or you're like suffering with the bootleg footage. And that bootleg footage was such horrendous quality. Yeah. It was pretty painful. (laughs) Exactly. So you kind of get like a vague feel for it, but nothing beats seeing an official trailer. And I think that they did a really good job with that yeah Um, obviously a very different vibe from the sequel trilogy but that's a good thing because there's lots of different ways you can do star wars so yeah like the aesthetic of it very much reminded me of rogue one in that they're going for that more like realist like grittiness um and yeah like it looked fabulous i thought there were some real standout beautiful shots in that trailer and i love that twilight girl like Mm -hmm. she has so much personality i just I like characters of personality, yeah. especially when they're ladies. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see more aliens. and um, I, I'm really interested to see the vibe of that as well, because, yeah, it does look, like you say, a little grittier and less of the fairy tale slash romance kind of feel. But um, some of the interviews that John Favreau and Dave Filoni were giving were saying, you know, overall, it's optimistic and kind of like you'll see the the spectrum of humanity as people deal with the fallout from the empire falling but i don't know it'll be interesting to see overall what kind of character the mandalorian is because again like while the trailer had a lot of fantastic visuals you didn't get an awful lot of sense of character and obviously he's messed yeah. the whole way through so i don't know yeah no you're exactly right it was a great like scene setting trailer with lots of atmosphere and it looked stunning visually but yeah in terms of plot or character there wasn't really anything so yeah i'm sure they'll release another trailer in due course essentially giving us a bit more of a setup for what to expect on that front exactly this is kind of giving people context because a lot of people won't have even been aware of this series coming so yeah we've still got a couple months before it rolls out so exactly and yeah to move on to the rise of skywalker stuff what do you think about that poster oh the poster okay i like it mm-hmm. I, do- I don't love it because i can't help but compare it with the last jedi's teaser poster i'm sorry no i think that's perfectly valid yeah like, it does not measure up to the last jedi teaser poster i know it's like a common thing on the internet right now to point out but that's hot toys palpatine i know <laughs> it is so funny? clearly hot toys palpatine <laughs> I wonder why they made that choice. Did they think that people wouldn't notice? Because <laughs> this is Star Wars fandom we're talking about. If they really sincerely thought that no one would notice, they were very naive. It's funny. Yeah. Maybe they thought, ooh, this will be good meme material. We'll get this much extra exposure. Well, that's a good point, because Palpatine is always good for the memes, but... <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Like, I think there are real awesome elements to it like i love the use of color yeah the color is gorgeous yeah yeah so it's very striking and it's been wildly popular i've seen people buzzing about it but yeah i think the real meat and potatoes of this obviously has to be that saga sizzle reel which 
blew our tiny minds. So yeah, just describe your overarching thoughts, Kirsty, before we go into it in more detail. Looking at the poster alongside the sizzle reel, what I'm most intrigued by is that we keep getting mass Kylo for like marketing and merch stuff, mm-hmm. but not so much in the footage. In fact, we've, yeah. we haven't seen Kylo wearing the mask at all for footage. In the in the first teaser, obviously, we got them repairing them the mask, but that's not Kylo doing it. Yeah. So it's like, well, what's that about? <laughs> and um, yeah, I expect that to play into the story in some way. So that's really interesting. Yeah, no, it is. I felt really like, um, ooh, go me, because I put up a tweet on the Twitter account, like juxtaposing the poster image of Rey and Kylo with the Vanity Fair image of Rey and Kylo fighting mm. among the waves. And I was like, oh my god, I bet the mask comes off during the fight, which is not an original idea. Other people have also had that idea. But it did turn out to be quite popular and generate a lot of buzz. But then I see this new sizzle reel and I see Kylo striding across to start fighting Rey. No mask. And so yeah. that's making me think, is it just artistic license that he has the mask on the poster? So it could easily be that. Right. Yeah. And what's the explanation for that choice? Because you're right, we'll get into it when we go through the sequence of the te- teaser. But it looks like Kylo's going to be unmasked for the, that confrontation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what to think about that. I know there are lots of theories about who's actually wearing the mask if it's not Kylo. Um, especially now we have Dark Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which, of course, is the big thing that everyone's talking about. So, um, But, you know, we've got, we've got to hand it too dark 3PO as well. Because I did <laughs> yeah. not expect that. No, exactly. C-3PO was the secret Sith all along. <laughs> uh, Brings oh it full God. circle from the Phantom Menace. So, <laughs> C-3PO was the true Phantom Menace. He is Anakin's son. <laughs> the son of the Chosen One. Exactly. <laughs> It wasn't oh Luke, it was 3PO. <laughs> that reminds me of like Harry Potter and the whole Harry and Neville thing. Oh yeah! <laughs> so basically what we're saying is that C-3PO needs Neville Longbottom moment. Yeah. Actually, I can see that because I was talking to you just before the show. I find 3PO very relatable in how anxious he gets about everything that's going on because, you know, Star Wars is crazy. Crazy shit is happening left and right. And he's the only one who seems to react appropriately, to be honest. (laughs) Um, It's considered panicking by the rest of the characters, but where I'm concerned, he has the appropriate response. Yeah. So yeah, I'm interested to see how he goes. Because they've been hinting for a while now that 3PO has a more active role to play in this movie. Makes me wonder where R2 is, but Mm -hmm. you've got to love 3PO as well, so. Yeah. No, exactly. Poor R2 has been a bit MIA in this trilogy so yeah. far. But... I would guess that he's back at the base with like Rose and Connix and that. Yeah, um, sure. But hopefully he has something to do. Yeah, give him a big hero moment, JJ. You know you want to. Okay, cool. So should we get into this sizzle reel? Sure. There's a lot going on. Yeah, no, there is. Um, because I'm, we're obviously going to talk the most about the new footage, but I did also want to run through the old clips because obviously the bulk of this sizzle reel is old footage from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and I don't know how you feel about it Kirsty, but I feel that the choice of shots is really significant so I do think they're trying to form a narrative about what Star Wars is and what the build-up has been to the events of the sequel trilogy. Um, Did you get that as well from the choices? Yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff in here because I think for me, it's emphasizing the relationships that people build, um, mm-hmm. both familial and romantic and friendships. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah with you know a, a clear focus on the skywalker family um and i would say that ray and finn too um because I, you know, I don't believe that either of those characters are skywalkers but um they clearly have an important role to play within the skywalker saga um so yeah i i, I think it all fitted together really well yeah no absolutely um so yeah, it starts out basically with a lot of shots from the original Star Wars. And I'd say most of these are like introductory moments. So it's just like Leia with the blaster at the start of the movie. Han in the cantina on Mos Eisley. And Luke, of course, looking out over the twin sons. So you're just getting introductions to these heroes and getting a sense of what they're about. And then there's the medal ceremony in this moment of triumph. So... You're seeing everyone like either in a stable position or in like happy moments, moments of triumph. Um, and then that's followed by lots of shots that show adversity. So I know this sounds super basic, but I'm just talking myself for it. Um, like you have a shot of Vader on a Star Destroyer from Empire Strikes Back. You have Boba Fett in Jabba's Palace from Return of the Jedi. And then most significantly, you have that final desperate kiss between Han and Leia in the carbon freezing chamber. And yeah, Luke distraught as Vader says, I'm your father, Luke, or words to that effect. And yeah, like that is the counterpoint to that initial setup because we're seeing all the challenges these heroes face and specifically the interference with these either romantic or familial relationships mm -hmm. and mentor relationships as well because obviously yes. we had alec guinness taking his hood off um and then yoda too and it, did we get maz at one point as well or we do a bit later on yeah. yeah so yeah i definitely think they spotlight relationships with mentors as well that's absolutely right yeah um which seems pretty relevant going into the main aspect of the teaser where again we get that um, voiceover from Luke kind of emphasizing that in this last movie it's kind of down to the younger characters to embrace kind of their own responsibility now going forward it's not just about the hands being held and being told what to do exactly yeah so then we have a few more shots like basically from Return of the Jedi and the most interesting thing about the choices from Return of the Jedi was that none of them were the like concluding moments and none of them were moments of like reconciliation or finality. And I think that's just a very deliberate choice because the message they're trying to send is that the story isn't finished. So they're not gonna show everyone like all gathered around the Ewoks, like all happy and smiley because it's like, whoops, take that away. <laughs> we had to undo all of that, yeah. <laughs> you know, some of yeah. you aren't happy about. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So they just leave in a bit more of a limbo state and then they progress into the prequels. What did you make of the decision to not do it in chronological order, Kirsty? So to start with the movies that people saw first and then progress onto the more recent movies? It surprised me, actually. Um, I, I kind of understand it in terms of like, that's how most people will experience the movies. Mm. So, you know, it's just kind of a recognition thing. But... It surprises me in a narrative sense. Um, yes. And also the lack of Padme kind of surprised me. Like I know we got that one shot of her and Anakin kissing at their wedding. Um, but none of her from The Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah, that kind of bothered me a bit. So that would have been a perfect opportunity to include her because they include the shot of Palpatine proclaiming himself emperor before the Senate. Mm. And there's obviously that really iconic moment with Padme where she's like, this is how liberty dies. So just show her face. Just show her face in that moment. Yeah, or her and Anakin on Mustafar. Like, I I don't know, it it kind of surprised me. Missed opportunity, guys. We'll need to cut our own version. (laughs) At least me was in there, so. Yes. No, definitely. Um... Yeah, so we start off the prequel stuff with Maul igniting the saber and then Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon facing him. I think for me this is pretty basic. It's just stressing the idea that the Sith is a threat that runs across the entire saga and they've been there from the beginning and they're going to need to be faced at the very end. Yeah, and I figured Maul igniting his saber was a good choice in light of what we see at the end of the teaser. Oh, yeah. No, that's a really good point. Yes, those sabers are so similar. They're not the same, but they are very similar. Yeah. And obviously it points to him being Ray's true father. Yeah, exactly. Ray Maul. <laughs> that's the superior Ray parentage theory. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we have these really nice, warm human shots of Shmi saying goodbye to Anakin, specifically stroking his face. And then Anakin and Padme kissing at their wedding. Um, and yeah, we've already mentioned this, but yeah, it's very much about showing those human relationships and the bonds that bind people. Yeah, I really liked the mirroring of Shmi stroking Anakin's face, and then later on, they showed that Han was stroking Ben's face. Yeah, no, that's so true. Like, was it Sky Talkers who did that episode about the language of Hans? They yes. must be so chuffed right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good fandom mantra because it's yeah. so true. Um, because obviously, well, I know we're jumping the gun here, but later on we get the kind of lingering shot of Rey and Kylo's hands touching. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a, a way of connecting the characters together for sure. And I think it's key, again, jumping further ahead to the sequel trilogy, sorry, but um, that they showed hand caressing Ben's face as opposed to Ben stabbing him. <laughs> I feel like that focus is pretty important. Yeah, it's reminding people of the part of that scene they might have suppressed in their minds, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, so just to quickly finish off the prequel stuff, um, they then whip through Revenge of the Sith with a few choice shots. So they show Mace Windu confronting Palpatine on Coruscant, Anakin's burnt body on the operating table, pretty yucky, Um, and then Palpatine proclaiming himself Emperor before the Senate. So yeah, theme is the Sith rises... The absolute lowest point for the heroes, basically. It doesn't get much lower than Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I think it's a good way of juxtaposing, you know, what we know to be the tragedy of the prequels with what we can anticipate will be a optimistic resolution for the saga as a whole from episode nine. Um, yes. While everything seems hopeless from how things have gone after Return of the Jedi, um, I think that they're building towards something positive. So you just kind of need to keep the hope alive. Yeah, no, exactly. I did notice that even in moments of adversity, like when Han's being pulled away from Leia, there's still that really like tinkly, like magical sounding music as if to remind people it's all okay. Don't worry. They got together in the end. <laughs> they had a lovely baby boy called Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And nothing bad happened to him at all. Um, yep. And then would you like to talk through the TFA shots that we get, Kirsty? Sure. So it starts with Kylo talking to Vader's mask, uh, which is a really interesting choice, I think, because 
that to me is such a fundamental aspect of the sequel trilogy how this new skywalker character of this generation is dealing with the trauma and legacy of that family yeah um and that's kind of embodied in vader's melted mask right um Mm -hmm. and judging by not anything that we saw in the sizzle reel itself but i think they they showed some like little clips in the panel the day before um there's that shot of um kylo in that kind of white ship looking Mm -hmm. down at the mask again so we know that it's back and we'd heard about that footage a while back from the shareholders meeting yep so that explains i mean that's that's a good way of connecting that with what we saw in the force awakens Mm -hmm. kylo kind of wrestling with what anakin was really about what he stood for yeah hopefully hopefully he's going to give it a bit more thought this time and actually discover some home truths i think so yeah that's the best we can hope for for him and yet again stressing those familial relationships they make a point of showing Han comforting Leia and that's specifically from the moment where she asks Han to bring their son home so yeah the message is clear these people love their son they want him to come back mm-hmm. and then they kind of jump ahead um, past the duel on Starkiller Base to Ray with Finn's body um, as Chewie comes with the Falcon to rescue them Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really liked that as well because it was a way to connect Finn with um, Ray and Kylo too, which wasn't so much there as a thematic presence in The Last Jedi, um, but I think it's meant to be there in the saga as a whole. Yes. The, the trilogy as a whole, I should say. Yeah, and it's another really powerful shot. I think that shot specifically of Ray looking up and looking very grief-stricken I think that's included in one of the trailers for The Force Awakens. Yeah. And I remember it being analysed to death and back. And people figured out it was Finn because you could see a tiny bit of his jacket. Mm. So, yeah, people were pretty smart with that. Yeah. Do people think that maybe Finn had died at that point? Yeah, no, there were lots mm. of rumours that like pretty much everyone had died, according to some of the rumours. Like, Ray was dead, Finn was dead, Kylo was dead, Hux was dead... <laughs> And when they all survived, I think it was a big shock to people, to be honest. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people thought that Kylo, even after the movie came out, it was like, because Kylo was kind of left on the planet as it was exploding. It's like, did he actually uh, make it out of there? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that discourse. So much nostalgia. <laughs> um, yeah, and then from there we move on to a series of shots showing the famous touches um, specifically our fave Ray and Kylo touch hands in the heart and yeah then a bunch of ones from The Force Awakens I think we've mentioned most of these haven't we Kirsty? Yeah just to go through them again it's Maz with Ray's hand in the basement just after she's experienced that first um, Force vision from touching the saber mm-hmm. then hand caressing Kylo's face after he's been well <laughs> More, mortally wounded shall we say yeah, after Kylo's made that pretty bad choice. Um, <laughs> and uh, Ray and Finn uh, holding hands on Jakku. So, yeah, the hands are a language. Yep, exactly. And yeah, I really like how each of these shot choices there, arguably, um, warning incoming Raylo content, um, showing different types of love slash connection. So you've got like 
what's potentially like a more sexual romantic thing going on with Ray and Kylo. Then you obviously have a paternal thing going on with Han and Ben slash Kylo, a mentoring role with Maz and Ray, and then platonic love with Ray and Finn. So I think it's a really beautiful encapsulation of all the different kinds of love that Stars can encompass. I agree. I think very quickly they were able to show kind of the larger themes and the story of uh, Star Wars here. I think they did a really good job choosing these clips. Yeah. No, like, and it's the sort of thing I think it really rewards discussion because you can be like, oh, yeah, I see what they're doing with this. And yeah, I think a lot of thought must have been put into it. I'd love to know if JJ had any like input or involvement at all to say, oh, yeah, these are the themes we should pick out. I'd like you to include this scene, this scene. I doubt he was specifically dictating every shot choice because that would be very labour intensive. But I like to think he might have at least recommended some from his own movie. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I don't really know how much the directors were involved with that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it depends. A lot of the time they're not involved at all, I think. But sometimes they are. So who knows? Yep, then we got BB-8 rolling through Jakku. I guess that's just... BB-8 is in the movies, guys. Yeah. Let's be honest, not every single shot is going to have this deep resonance. <laughs> <laughs> really, you see, the BB-8. sand flicking up, it means so much. <laughs> I'm sure we could try. We could we could do some reaching and connect things. but <laughs> Yeah, we could reach so far our arms ached. It would be pretty intense. Um, yeah, um, would you like to take us through the next few things that we have, Kirsty? Yeah, so we have Kylo turning his saber as he faces Luke on Crate, which is obviously a very important moment for them as family members. It's kind of Luke facing up to his failures, um, choosing to rejoin the fight. And um, Kylo, probably his lowest possible point, which after The Force Awakens is no mean feat, right? Um, you think <laughs> yeah. he's reached his lowest point there, but really after Ray rejects his offer, oh, it's just, it's painful to watch. Yeah, um, and Luke bending to kiss Leia's forehead, which is obviously just before that moment, um, and um, a really lovely gesture, I think, which um, Mark Hamill kind of decided to do impromptu as they were filming. Yeah, no, it's really beautiful, and I love the juxtaposition of those two shots as well, because you have the shot of Kylo looking picture of this like demonic force basically filled with this like evil dark side energy but then that's juxtaposed with this scene of love and compassion and reassurance where Luke specifically tells Leia no one's ever really gone so again I think that's communicating it might look like all hope is lost now but there's always hope even in the darkest of times Mm -hmm. so yeah that's pretty cool stuff Um, And then we just have three final shots, um, including the incredibly thematically significant shot of Poe and the Resistance arriving on Takodana. Well, (laughs) sorry, that's mean. That's mean. No, I do think this connects with what they show later on, though, with um, the military forces of what might be the Empire as opposed to the First Order. Yeah, um, that's true. For the Rise of Skywalker. We'll talk about that in a a minute. But um, yeah kind of those forces versus also what we had with the Republic. Um, and you've got to include Poe somewhere, right? Yeah, no, exactly. You've got to say this is also a part of the fabric of Star Wars because it is, like, the space battles are important. 
And I think earlier on I did omit some shots of various space battles because it's just not my forte. Like I could identify almost all of these shots from sight, but some of the space battles gave me pause and I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's not I, my strength. It's okay. I think people know what we're about and what we're not about. So. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, oh, well, that's a B wing and that's an A wing and that's a J wing. And I know J wings do not exist. So don't come after me. <laughs> they probably do now. Oh God, it's such a minefield. Um, but yeah, anyway, so then we have the Resistance making their last stand on Crate with the amazing red plumes, which, yeah, as Kirsty rightly pointed out, it's probably a juxtaposition with the scenes of military action from the Rise of Skywalker. Um, and then the final old shot we have in this entire sizzle is Rey feeling the Force during her fight with Kylo on Starkiller Base. And I was so happy that this was the transition shot because it's honestly one of my favourite shots in the whole saga. I think Me it's too. Awesome. Although I was a little surprised that they didn't show Kylo's mirrored face. I thought mm. they were going to do both of them, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for for Ray, certainly that moment is so key. Um, and you can kind of jump ahead and see the progress that she's made. So that's her really starting to connect with the Force. Obviously, she did at first within the interrogation scene. Um, but that's kind of when she does it of her own volition and is able to kind of turn the narrative. Um, so it's really powerful. And the colours are just gorgeous. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's also juxtaposed very nicely with that reveal of Dark Ray <laughs> at the end of the sizzle. Because a big element of that shot, and one I remember going into endlessly in those many thousands of words of tortured meta I wrote after The Force Awakens came out was about that interplay of light and dark on her face like the red and the blue lighting flickering and just this idea that there's always this tension between the two and that we're seeing them like playing out this battle just in the reflections on Ray's face in that shot. It's the perfect precursor to this final moment where we see holy shit like that is ray embracing her darkness yeah i can't actually stop thinking about dark ray like that image i know we'll get to it eventually it's the last shot but really i it's totally understandable why that's the focus of fandom right now right like that's what everyone wants to talk about because it's such a shocking image um however it turns out in the movie whether it's a vision or real it's like it's so jarring yeah no it's a really amazing shot and honestly seeing it light up the internet so much has made me so happy because it's just great to see people talk about ray like ray 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 for who she is in whatever capacity people are able to have that discussion basically i think it's great the conversation around her has already become so much more interesting basically i agree it's kind of I know that things have gradually been shifting away from the fixation with her parents anyway, but I think this is what's finally solidified that, where it gives people kind of um, a clear focus to talk about Ray's internal struggles as opposed to just who she's related to or yeah, even necessarily her relationships with other characters. This is fundamentally about Ray's relationship with herself. Um, and that's... I, I know we're going to get to it later, but that's kind of why I hope that this reveal and how it plays out in the movie is more about Ray herself than necessarily of other people's perception of her. Sure. Um, but we'll see. Exactly. Okay. 
And this is the point at which the new footage begins, um, which is very exciting. Yeah, would you like to do the honours and describe the first shots we get, Kirsty? Yeah, so hopefully everyone who's listening has watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, um... can you imagine if they haven't? (laughs) Well, it would be kind of the experience of what we had from people who were actually at D23, right? It's Yeah, sure. (laughs) You're just kind of getting the second-hand account but they're getting the audio description version of the sizzle reel Uh, so first we see ray finn and poe looking out at something on pasana um so kind of similar to shots that we've already had um chewy and 3po are also there they kind of stood behind them um Mm -hmm. and then it changes the perspective to um what they're looking at which is this enormous festival um kind of taking place from below where they're standing it looks like They've got a vantage mm-hmm. point. Um, so, yeah, it looks like a a Burning Man scene or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. It's like, wow, is this Star Wars Glastonbury? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, like, it's a tremendous scope because we have heard through various reports that there was going to be this festival sequence. And I don't know why I had the idea in my head, but I kind of envisaged something quite intimate and small scale. I did not imagine something like this. This yeah. is like, wow. I think from some of the images that we'd got, especially that shot of the Yucky Yucky um, in Vanity Fair, it was like a tight, a small shot of a group of them, right? Yes. Sat down. Um, this is obviously more of like a carnival feel. So it's not got that like somber, ritualistic, religious thing going on that we might have first anticipated this is yeah. much more celebratory i assume um so i'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out because obviously our heroes presumably are there to do something quite important and serious um but it'll be like a fun contrast to see them navigating this yeah no definitely it will offer a nice reprieve i think from like what's presumably going to be quite a dark and heavy story in some ways because, yeah, you always need these lighter moments where the characters can just relax and exist as they are for a few minutes. So Yeah, yeah. and I think it's a good way to distinguish Persana from Jakku, which was obviously the de- desert planet that we saw at first in the sequel trilogy and was barren. Um, people were just trying to survive in any way they could. Whereas this, you'd assume that if they have something like this going on, um, the civilization is quite different. Yes, Exactly. I don't think um, Jakku had any kind of cultural life, basically. Do you think Uncarplet put on an annual music festival for <laughs> all his indentured servants? <laughs> I think the best I can see him doing is like a karaoke night at the cantina, oh. and he would be the only one allowed to sing. Probably. It'd be very, very bad. And then we have a nice shot of Leia. My assumption is that this is from early in the movie. Um, possibly Leia saying goodbye to the heroes as they go off on their quest slash adventure. Um, it's obviously a CGI'd shot of Leia, and it's from the sequence in The Force Awakens where she's saying goodbye to Rey as Rey takes off on the Millennium Falcon. That's all yeah. correct, right? I think every shot we've seen of Leia so far, and that, to be fair, there haven't been an awful lot of them, but it seems to be everything has come from this scene, don't you think? Yeah, no, that's true, because the other one that we've really had is the embrace, and yeah, it's from the same moment in The Force Awakens. Yeah, and JJ was saying over the weekend that Leia is at the heart of this movie, so I I don't want to then think that this is maybe one of her very few scenes. 
Hopefully mm. she's in it to a, a larger degree. Although, of course, characters can have presence without physically appearing on screen. And yeah. maybe that, that'll play a large part too. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's interesting that this is kind of where we've been seeing her. I think they've done an amazing job because obviously she's got this different outfit, but you wouldn't be able to tell that that was digitally done, right? Yeah. No, it looks really good. It actually reminds me of Leia's Bespin costume a bit, I yeah. think, with the purple. Yeah, and the braiding. Yeah, it's a nice look for her. It's flattering, which is nice because her Force Awakens costumes were not up to par. <laughs> Last Jedi Leia was where all the fashion was. Oh yeah, basically. she was fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> so much fabulous. Um, okay, and then the next shot that we get is the Resistance fighters jumping in from light speed. And yeah, there's a bunch of ships including an X-Wing and then a bunch of other ships I am not fully equipped to identify. Uh, do you have any thoughts particularly on this shot, Kirsty? I do not, to be honest. Uh, it's the next shot that I'm much more interested in, but um, yes. I know this will be a lot of other fans' jam and there's probably all sorts of things going on with the discussions out there about which of these ships have resonance with the story. And yeah, sorry, I'm just not going to do a very good job there, so I'm not even yeah. going to attempt it. No, it's fine. It's good to acknowledge our limitations. <laughs> um, yeah, so then the next shot and the wow shot is... Well, there's several wow shots in this sizzle reel, but this is perhaps the first really big one. Um, is this amazing shot of an assembled fleet of Star Destroyers. Would you like to go into a bit more detail, Kirsty? Well, okay, so when I heard about this shot as described by people at the con, I wondered if what we were seeing were actually Imperial Star Destroyers as opposed to the First Order. Mm. And apparently that is how it's gone because um, Jim on Twitter was pointing out that the, they are Imperial Star Destroyers, um, which makes me wonder if we're seeing kind of the Empire return from the Unknown Regions or something like that. Yeah. Um, this is Palpatine's contingency plan, right? This is the the Empire still there, Um for Palpatine's ends um, contrasting with the First Order who are supposed to be in power now so yeah. are, are we going to see the First Order versus the Empire? Like I'm not even sure how this is going to work mm. Yeah no it's so fascinating isn't it like I think I'm going to pay very close attention in the like new books that are coming out to any indications we get about the size of the First Order military because if you think about it in the Last Jedi and The Force Awakens, we see these huge juggernaut weapons and resources wiped out for them because Starkiller Base is obviously wiped out. And then, is it the, the Supremacy, right, in The Last Jedi? Yeah. And the Supremacy is also destroyed. And yeah, like obviously they have lots of other resources and ships available, but I don't think they would have this level of military might basically so yeah i'm very very intrigued to see what this battle will, will look like i think it's perfectly possible that it could be a system where the resistance and the first order actually have to work together to try and combat this army because i don't think either one of them are going to be able to do it alone essentially mm. yeah i don't even know what to think of that because like what does that say <laughs> Yeah, the idea of the first order and the resistance working together is uh, a little troubling. But... <laughs> I think Hux would be rolling in his hypothetical grave 
if such an eventuality might work out. I'm just not sure what that would say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an idea. It probably won't actually happen, but yeah like i'm just so curious about what's going on with the first order when all of this shit is going down yeah because we're not getting any indication of you know characters like hux and pride right yeah so exactly and kylo yes he's supreme leader but in terms of how they're actually using him within the story it's all the personal stuff between him and ray it's not it, we're not seeing much of renperer are we <laughs> like it's not it's not really focused at all on him as leader it's yeah. um yeah, like I said, it's his personal relationship with the protagonist, so... Exactly. We're not seeing him file his paperwork or, like, <laughs> hold general meetings before the Senate. Or... No. <laughs> I wouldn't, like, complain if we did, but it's probably not the most compelling story they could tell. Well, I, so. I think a lot of people would have been interested to see how Supreme Leader Kylo Ren is doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. I would 100% want it. Yeah, but I, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's an active choice that they're making not to go there. It's It's about the the personal intimacy between him and ray um i know that we had the resistance trailer earlier on that did show him as supreme leader like reprimanding his his officers but um yeah that's not what they're doing with the the film so yeah i presume that's uh, that's a choice that you know says something about where they're going with the character yeah they're very much trying to humanize him and show him on a personal level, aren't they? Rather than as this big, fearsome leader, which, mm-hmm. yeah, in itself is very telling. Um, and then the shot of those Imperial Star Destroyers is followed up by a shot of Finn and Jana looking out. Yeah, so are they looking at what we just saw or are these two unconnected scenes? What do you think? It's so hard to say, isn't it? Yeah. It could easily be from a completely separate sequence, to be honest, and they like doing that. Um, because it's so goddamn easy <laughs> with editing. Um, but I think it would make sense if they are looking at the Star Destroyers because they are going to need someone to deliver that exposition about, oh, those aren't from the First Order. Those are Imperial models. Yeah, and of course Finn would recognise the difference immediately. Yeah, exactly. So he'd be in a good position, basically, to deliver that sort of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really interested to see these two characters interacting because we know we don't know an awful lot about Janna yet. So I know there are lots of theories out there in terms of who she is, who she's related to, of course, because Star Wars. But um, yeah, I wonder if it's just those two on this part of the mission or if someone else is there in the ship with them, um, what kind of ship they're in. Yeah, you can see what I think is a resistance pilot behind Jana, mm. um, because there's someone's hands at the yeah. um, controls. Is that Poe? Is- like, is someone wearing a helmet? Obviously, Poe has been known to wear a helmet, but <laughs> I don't see him in a helmet in this movie so much. So, like, right now my thought is just, like, random resistance pilot person who isn't significant, really. Okay. But I could be wrong, it could be Poe. Mm. Um, but yeah I, as you say I really look forward to learning more about those characters and their relationship because presumably they're going to be key to each other's stories because whenever we've seen Janna it's always been in relation to Finn yeah exactly okay then we have your favourite moment in the entire trailer Kirsty clearly um, Red Eyes C-3PO well this is just so interesting to me <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not ragging on you. It's perfectly well, no. legitimate. So first I was like, is this 3PO? Because obviously we know from like 
other stories that there are, you know, there are evil protocol droids, right? Just as there was BB-90 in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it is him. But what's going on? Is he having his memories scanned? Is he being interrogated? Like, <laughs> why are his eyes red? He probably didn't recognize him because of the red eyes. Ha ha. Like, what is going on? Yeah. On my favorite theory, C-3PO has been possessed by Palpatine because Palpatine decided that C-3PO was the perfect vessel for his evil master plan. Totally possible. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah, it's such an intriguing shot. Um, And yet, just to quickly warn people, we're going to go into what I would consider to be a very light potential spoiler in that it's something very general. No one really knows any detail about this as a plot point, but it is something that has been discussed by people like making Star Wars. So if you are very spoiler conscious, please skip ahead by three minutes, say. Although I don't think we'll be talking about it for that long. Um, Yeah, just to be safe. But yeah, the thing I wanted to bring up is the whole making Star Wars leaks about this important role that C-3PO has to the plot and sort of leading people to the MacGuffin. Is that right, Kirsty? Yeah, I don't think they have any firm details, but a while back they said that they think his memories play a role somehow in searching for, you know, whatever the MacGuffin is. We still don't know. Right. Um, which I think is fitting because it really does, like we said earlier, kind of bring things full circle from The Phantom Menace, where we saw the creation of 3PO at the hands of Anakin. Yes. Um, so to make him more relevant to this story than he usually is... Um, I think that's a really interesting choice. And Anthony Daniels seems really excited about it too. Yeah. No, he's clearly been given something juicy to work with, which is really cool. Um, And yeah, it could be possible that when he's sort of like processing through the old memory banks, he comes across something very like sinister. And that briefly takes him over, basically. So this could be a very brief moment. I don't think he's going to have the red eyes for the entire movie. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) But it's unsettling, isn't it, really? And we've had this tension throughout the saga that, you know, him and R2 have had their memories wiped and it's all this question of, like, well, what do they know at each point? Um, Because they've seen everything. But there's this irony that they can't always warn or inform the other characters of what's going on because at the end of the day, they're droids and don't always have access to things. But if something unlocks something within 3PO and he recalls something that's pretty important to you know whatever's going on with Palpatine or you know whatever it could be um I think that could be really exciting yeah no 100% um then the next shot is of this huge red blast coming from the sky and impacting the surface of a planet of the planets we know about so far I'd say it looks the most like Kijimi which is meant to be like the snow-covered planet um, and it's the one where Zori is, like with the whole thieves thing. Mm. I struggle with this one because just no context. Presumably it's the bad guys firing a weapon at an enemy thing. <laughs> Do you have anything star. to add? <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Oh no, it, I can just hear to... the internet. <laughs> it's hard to say much about context, right? Like it's really not giving us too much Um but yeah, generally, powerful red laser blast tells you, you know, bad guys are doing something bad. Yeah, exactly. It does not look like a happy or uplifting moment by any means. 
Um, yeah, so then we'll move on to the final few shots from this sizzle that are easily the most exciting. Um, and the first shows Ray training. Would you agree that that's what we're seeing, Kirsty? I mean, I think so. Um, first time round seeing the sizzle reel, this shot really strongly reminded me of the movie House of Flying Daggers. Oh, um, nice. You know, the colour scheme as well, obviously. That vibrancy of the green, which contrasts with so much of what we see um, in the rest of the sizzle reel, but also just, yeah, the choice of planets that they've, they've had throughout the sequel trilogy. It's only really been Takodana that's been as lush as that, right? Yes. Um, and Ray commented on that too, because it's still so novel for her. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say what's going on here, because... It obviously happens very quickly and it's like okay so is is ray making it move or does she lose control of it and they have to bring it back to herself um is someone yeah. else involved in this scene that we're not seeing yeah i think the clue for me is that if you look in the second screen cap i have from it you can see a training ball like the training ball that luke has in the original star wars hmm. floating just besides the tree like yeah i get the vibe that she's training herself basically and that she is alone in the woods of course this could be completely wrong because it is just forming assumptions but i feel like it's a reasonable assumption um yeah and she obviously throws the lightsaber away from herself and then it seems to boomerang back around and she catches it but that could easily be misleading editing again because yeah there's precedent for that and there's plenty of reason to think that she might be like holding her lightsaber in more than one scene so. mm. just interested to see how this would play into the character story for Rey yeah. um, because obviously we saw shots of her training herself in The Last Jedi in Arc 2 when Luke was kind of refusing um, and you could see Rey channeling her frustration and anger um, yeah. especially in terms of where they were positioned you know, she just finished interacting with Ben. She was frustrated with Luke for refusing. Um, I don't know. They 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 say a lot without saying anything, right? Yes. Um, so I expect to see something similar here. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Like sh her facial expression in the first shot does say frustrated to me. Like she's perhaps struggling a bit, which yeah i like because it does add that layer of vulnerability to her that i like to see in ray and i think is quite fundamental to her i will say i don't support the chopping down of trees just for training purposes <laughs> it's not very environmentally conscious ray yeah no exactly they're the lungs of the planet ray what are you doing it's also a nice little callback to star killer base when again ray and kylo were cutting down the trees as they were fighting yeah that film could be retitled star wars episode 7 tree massacre <laughs> because that's pretty much what happened um yeah and one final thing to note is that when she catches the lightsaber she bizarrely in my view she's got this sort of like red ribbon tied around her wrist and obviously this ties in seamlessly with many many Raylo metas and an excellent sequence of Raylo fan art that was pow in 2016 i believe um but yeah, for story purposes, I look at that and I'm like, I don't understand why she has it, but it looks cool. Mm. Yeah, it could end up being nothing, but people are having fun with the registering of fate for now, um, yes. which we've obviously discussed in earlier episodes. Um, yeah, it could symbolise anything, really, couldn't it? Or, yeah. or nothing at all. <laughs> Sound and fury. Well, red was obviously a, a key colour for the last movie. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it's kind of 
continuing that here. Yeah, there are a lot of key red things in these shots. Um, yeah, presumably symbolizing the omnipresence of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the final thing I wanted to say about like this moment with Ray training is that if it is her training by herself in the woods, I think that would tie in quite nicely to previous comments we've heard from Daisy, where she was making the point that like Ray, while she has these great relationships with say Poe and Finn and the rest of the resistance, she's also like somewhat set apart from them by these force abilities and by the fact that she has to fulfill the role of this great hope, like and carry that burden on her shoulders pretty much. Mm. And I think this sort of sequence could really drive that point home in a really succinct and effective way. Yeah, I mean, does this connect with the little clip again that they showed the day before where she's saying, I, it's too dangerous, I'll go alone? Oh, that's a really good point. I hadn't made that connection, but it could easily. So if she's training alone and then maybe Finn and Poe come to her with this mission that they have to undertake or... I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea of her being set apart and kind of that being part of uh, why she look so frustrated or kind of stressed out with shouldering that responsibility yeah exactly and then it creates a good starting point for her as well about her gradually developing these relationships with other people and obviously she's already got foundations for these relationships in the other movies but yeah there's going to be much more growth and development with them in this movie yeah i can't Um, wait to see how ray and poe interact because so far obviously we've only got that introduction between them at the end of The Last Jedi. And now some time has passed, so how are they getting on? Yeah. And I expect that relationship to be distinct from Ray and Finn's friendship, you know? Yeah. Because Finn and Poe are very different characters. They're not interchangeable. So how is Ray relating to him? Yeah, no, that's so true. Because, yeah, they could take that in so many different directions because Poe feels very earthy, whereas Ray is obviously more mystical and kind of set apart, so... Yeah, I'm really curious to see that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we have Kylo striding across a mysterious surface and igniting his saber. And I think myself and a lot of people on the internet saw this and thought he was on an ice planet. But a Twitter user had some really fantastic observations about this that suggest a different picture. Would you like to talk through that, Kirsty? Yeah, it was our listener, James. Um and this was something that occurred to me when I was watching it, but I was like, oh, that's probably me reading way too much into it. You know, it's kind of crazy. But going back and seeing um, that w- we have what looks like his crash tie behind him, which he's walking mm-hmm. away from, and then the cracked earth in the foreground. I think this is him getting out of the ship that we see following the sequence um, that we saw in, in the first teaser yeah. of, Ray, of Ray kind of jumping over it. Um but obviously it looks very different because the lighting is all different. It looks like a storm's come along all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's on a nice planet. I think he's on what presumably is Pasana and he's striding towards Ray. Yeah, like I've really thought that was such a brilliant observation. So it just makes so much sense to me because if that is a separate planet and a separate fight, then God, Kylo and Ray are fighting a lot in this movie. <laughs> Well, that could also be the case. It it could be. Because each yeah. one would show them at a different part of their, their story, right? Like the relationship's going to evolve each time. So Yeah, 
And they could just do like a montage, like showing the various fights they've had over the past 12 months. (laughs) (laughs) Although probably only I would find that funny. Um, But yeah, like it's such a good observation. And yeah, like it really looks like it's going to be such an epic confrontation between the two of them. Oh my God. I just love how Kylo walks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's all strut. Yeah. I'm sexy and I know it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and more seriously, um, there's also Palpatine voiceover at this moment, um, which kind of bleeds into the ray shots because obviously the shots come so quickly. But the voiceover is, your journey nears its end, mm. which is the first piece of new dialogue from Palpatine. Yeah. It's apart new. from the laughter. So yeah. <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, at first I was like, wait, is this existing dialogue from Palpatine from an earlier movie? But no, it's new. So presumably it's in the movie, but again, it could have just been recorded for the teaser. Who knows? Yeah. Recorded by Matt Smith, doing his best Ian McDermott. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't resist. Um, But yeah, and then to move on, they transition from Kylo striding across the mystery planet, um, but probably Persona. Um, and then they cut to this immense fight between Rey and Kylo, which would you infer that they're on the ruins of the Death Star 2? Yes. Thirsty? It looks okay. like the Death Star to me. Cool. Yeah, so they're on the ruins of the Death Star 2, waves are lashing around them, and they're having what looks to be a really epic lightsaber duel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just seeing this like wide shot from a distance that alone makes me so hyped for this because they both seem so confident and powerful in their movements in a way they won in The Force Awakens because the characters and even the actors to some extent were in such a different place then. Yeah, I think this is also just such a great mirror for Anakin and Obi-Wan's confrontation on Mustafar. Yeah. Um, Obviously we have water instead of fire and it's kind of a continuation of... The surrounding symbolism of Rey and Kylo's fights so far too, because we had the ice of Starkiller Base, then we had like the flaming throne room in the Last Jedi, and um, yeah, now now they're surrounded by water. And God, guys, be careful, okay? Yeah, don't slip in. Don't slip in. It could be very bad. Oh, what if we had this amazing moment though, where one of them does slip, and then the other like instinctively reaches out and tries to save them? Oh my uh, God. there's so many possibilities because I'm guessing again like Anakin and Obi-Wan I would expect to see these characters talking to each other or yelling at each other throughout this confrontation Um, yes so again showing the difference between their fight on Starkiller Base where they didn't really say anything to each other until they were at that cliff edge and Kylo was beseeching her you need a teacher but at this point they know each other so much more Um, yeah we don't know where this is within the chronology of the movie but i would guess it's towards the beginning as opposed to the end yeah i don't think this is a final confrontation so yeah how do they feel about each other at this moment yeah i think that dialogue is going to be all important as well as what's expressed through the body language and the movement between them because that can also be very evocative um but yeah i think it's going to be very impassioned and very emotional and i'm so excited (laughs) <laughs> my babies 
And I do love that they always have such epic, epic locales for their fights and their battles. They're mm-hmm. not just going to fight in a warehouse. <laughs> They're Ray and Kylo fucking Ren. They're yeah. going to do whatever the hell they want in the most badass setting imaginable. They're ridiculous. Yeah. So, so extra in the best way. Okay. <laughs> and then we move on to what might be called the money shots of the trailer. <laughs> um, I will allow you to describe these particular shots Kirsty. i'm gonna be honest dark mm-hmm. ray is actually kind of scaring me mm. when i saw this even though i knew it was coming obviously we'd had it described by the people who were at the con but it's it's unnerving yeah um especially like with the combination of that and like palpatine talking over the top and all those weird sounds in that break when it's just the black of the screen mm-hmm. i don't know I, it kind of freaked me out <laughs> And I was watching yeah. it on, on a loop as a gif. And I was like, oh, and I had to turn it off. I was like, Ray, you're scaring me. Yeah. Um, she just looks so stoic and cold and so not the Ray that we know. Yeah. Um, But is this the dark side of Ray that she's been kind of refusing to engage with so far? What does this symbolize? Um, mm. So I know that there are all sorts of theories out there as to how this is manifesting within the movie is it a vision is ray really turning to the dark side is she possessed by palpatine um i don't think it really matters so much i have my preferences i would prefer it not to be a vision but i think it might be just because it's kind of impressing me that they're showing ray as a dark side character at all so i i'm like would they really be so brave as to show this for real is it going to be kind of lower stakes vision wise I feel like a vision is lower stakes. I I don't know. It it's shocking. Yeah. Like it's such a fabulous shot. And yeah, like I'm just looking at it now and you're so right about that expression. It's just so eerie because it's like her face is a blank, basically. There's like no life in it. And she also looks like all hollow cheeked and sickly almost. She has the pallor of a Victorian consumptive. <laughs> basically and she also seems like very thin and frail and don't get me wrong i'm sure she could slice heads off with that saber left right and center i think she's deadly as hell but i do look at that and i see her as this sort of like poster child for don't do the dark side yeah exactly and i i think that's kind of what's going on here it's she's supposed to look different isn't she she's supposed to look kind of unhealthy and it's sad really yeah like i know it's like we're also supposed to be like whoa badass dark side ray but this feels wrong um, yeah to me anyway like i know ultimately we're talking about balance across the sequel trilogy so in terms of where this might go afterwards i want ray to embrace her darkness i want her to kind of uh, reconcile and address that trauma within herself that should be the goal but on its own manifested however it is here whether it's vision or reality um it is unnerving yeah and i I think that's what it's supposed to be because it's uh, i would assume that she's looking at kylo at this point yeah right this has got to be something that kylo's engaging with on some level obviously i would expect palpatine to be involved in some way too yeah yeah i would kind of like it if like this is a vision or like even a possessed ray something like that if it's one of those two things 
and it's something that Palpatine is showing or displaying to Kylo like as this sort of like temptation or this offer for what could await him if he chose to serve him and Kylo looks at that and instead of being attracted to it he's repelled because he's like that isn't right you know he'd have hopefully the same sort of reaction that we would yeah I mean it definitely evokes the Bastille and Revan kind of story right like that this idea yeah. of her I don't know defecting to the dark side but then that being a catalyst in itself um and kind of revealing the emotions underneath for these characters like it kind of forces yeah. them to address that together exactly like I'm really open to that whole thing about like inspiring a reaction in Kylo and that being a pivotal turning point for him or something but I also want to to make it clear that I also need this to very much be about Rey herself. Exactly, and that's what I'm wrestling with in terms of what I want it to be, whether it's, you know, a vision for Kylo, a vision for Rey, um, if this is Rey kind of succumbing, however briefly, to the temptation of Palpatine somehow knowing something more about what happened to her parents or being able to offer something that Kylo could not. Yeah. But however it is, I think the symbolism, it it gets you. (laughs) So... Um, I'm just impressed that they even went there. Yeah. It's lit the internet on fire for a reason. And uh, that's a, a crazy saber. Oh, God, I love the way she, so like, much. The way she flips it open when it's already ignited, I'm like, Ray, be careful. <laughs> Safety first. Seriously, she's wearing long sleeves. Yeah. No, like, I love her, like, robes as well. Because, like, let's face it, Sif robes from... Like the traditional Sif robes, they're often not that fun. You know, they're like a bit baggy. They're not very like fitted. Whereas this is so nicely tailored. It's lovely. <laughs> this is like if Padme had gone to the dark side. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking fab. And she has a cape. She I has am happy. Yeah, I because I think we've talked before about how we wanted at some point to see Rey in some kind of dress or something different yes. from what she you know started out with in Jakku and obviously her. The, the outfit that we'd seen previously for her look in The Rise of Skywalker was pretty similar. It's like this evolution and this is supposed to be a contrast, right? She's wearing a dress or a robe or whatever you want to call it. It's clearly a different look for her. And I yeah. think her hair might be down too. Sad to say, but it's at least down partly, judging by that wider shot. Yeah. God, I really hope that hair is down. Like seeing Ray with that hair flowing free, it's like, oh my God. Especially <laughs> if it's curled, like Padme. Like, I would die. Not literally, but I would, <laughs> like, ascend to another state of being, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Overall, I think it's safe to say that we're impressed by this as real. Yeah. Yeah, it got yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. No. And it was so much fun to break it down with you. So, yeah. Thank you so much for making this early appearance on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I know you will be returning in a more consistent way in due course. Yeah, but... and I'm really enjoying what you're doing with it in the meantime. So. Oh, thank you. I'm I glad. listening to Lisa last week. Yeah, no, like she was a fantastic guest. So, yeah, it's really nice to have a program of people in store waiting in the wings. Yeah, so I know we'd been anticipating that we'd get a behind-the-scenes reel. Maybe we'll get that as well at some point. Who knows? But... I think this is even cooler in a way because it's like a bonus trailer as we wait for the full one in October. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I think it was absolutely the right move from a marketing standpoint as well because out of curiosity, I checked 
And I looked back in the behind-the-scenes reel for The Last Jedi that was released at D23 in 2017. Even now, like two years later, that still only has six million views. And the last time I checked, The Rise of Skywalker Sizzle had 11 million views, and that's in 24 hours. Yeah, I think um, behind-the-scenes stuff is really interesting for us, but the reality is that the average audience member is not going to sit there and break everything down and try and figure out (laughs) what something is showing us from them practicing a fight sequence or whatever um, yeah whereas dark side ray you know that's gonna light the internet on fire they they knew that so exactly they're clever clever people these lucasfilm marketing peeps so yeah good on them they earned their bonuses this time <laughs> yeah um yeah no so i think that's probably a good point to end it on so you can find me at Stars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Yep, and Kirsty, I hope that you will come back and join us again, like in due course. And yeah, if anything else exciting breaks that you were just itching to discuss prior to your more formal return, just let me know because I'm always here and I always love a good chat about Star Wars. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me back. It's I kind of got to play it by ear for now, but this stuff, I was just like, okay, I have to talk about this with someone. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even had a chance to do a deep, deep dive. We're kind of running down, you know, shot by shot and not thinking so much thematically, but there's a lot going on here and I'm kind of looking forward to discussing it even further with people, so. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm sure when I listen back to this, I'll have so many more thoughts about what's happening. But yeah, I'm just more podcasts, I guess. So not too bad. Okay, everyone, so thank you for listening, and until next time, bye!